The role of the bishopric is an essential role to provide support to the work of salvation and exaltation, to uh, support the divine mission of the Church. The Church is a global organization. It is uh, present in dozens of countries all around the world, and each of these countries have members of the Church that live in different environments with different cultures, languages. So one big part of our responsibility is to adapt to the local environment of members. Uh, members should not have to adapt to whatever the Church does in Salt Lake City. <laughs> uh, our role is to adapt to them, to bring the resources of the Church, materials, everything that is needed to, to the Church. We bring whatever they need to live the Gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language, in their own culture. I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Church News recently launched a new Inside Church Headquarters series focusing on the presiding bishopric. Members of the presiding bishopric work under the direction of the First Presidency to manage the temporal affairs of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This includes the building and maintenance of meeting houses and temples, the distribution of humanitarian aid, and the production and distribution of gospel resources such as scriptures and hymn books, among many other things. In recent weeks and months, the Church News has conducted multiple interviews with members of the presiding bishopric. In those interviews, Bishop Gerald Cosset and his counselors Bishop W. Christopher Waddell and Bishop L. Todd Budge have talked about the role and purpose of the presiding bishopric in the Church of Jesus Christ. In an early interview with the presiding bishopric, the three sat together in a Latter-day Saint meeting house. There, as they looked over the pews where members meet each week, Bishop Cosset spoke about the important role they play in the Church. The role of the bishopric is an essential role to provide support to the work of salvation and exaltation, to uh, support the divine mission of the Church. It hasn't changed much since 1831, when Edward Partridge, the first bishop, was called by Joseph Smith. He received two main responsibilities. I would like to call them scriptural responsibilities. They are contained in Doctrine and Covenants. The first one is to administer the temporal affairs of the Church. The second one is to care for the needy to seek out the person in need and to care for them. And these responsibilities are today still true. The, the church is in a different size, different scale, but we still do the same thing, administer the temporal affairs and care for the needy. Bishop Budge explained that each member of the presiding bishopric is ordained as a bishop. The work they carry out comes through the Aaronic priesthood. And these responsibilities are carried out through the keys of the Aaronic priesthood as opposed to well, the First Presidency and the ecclesiastical side of the Church operate under the uh, keys of the Melchizedek Priesthood, but we operate under the keys of the Aaronic Priesthood. All three members of the presiding bishopric served as General Authority 70s before their current assignments. Bishop Waddell explained the work they do now prepares the way for things that are spiritual in the Church. Our role is to prepare the way. Um, as John the Baptist did for the Savior, preparing the way for his ministry and mission and his first arrival, uh, our role is to prepare the way for the work of the Melchizedek Priesthood and the work of salvation and exaltation. The question you asked is one that I think I most frequently get asked at a state conference assignment because people just don't know what the bishopric does. And when we share a little bit about our role with the temporal affairs of the church and preparing the way, it kind of opens the door a little bit and, uh, 
anyway, it's, it's interesting for people to find out. In their work and with their responsibilities, Bishop Cosset says they report directly to the First Presidency. Maybe another aspect of our responsibilities is that we report to the First Presidency directly, which fills us with great humility every time we meet with them, but we meet with the First Presidency typically at least once every week. And we report to them, we present recommendations to them, we receive their counsel, and so they are very active in directing our work, and it's a great blessing to be reporting to the prophet, to prophets, heroes, and revelators, and to meet with them on a regular basis. In addition to having responsibilities for the temporal affairs of the church, members of the presiding bishopric also serve on general church councils. Bishop Waddell explains. Each member of the presiding bishopric is actually assigned to a different council. And so we have Bishop Budge, for example, on the Missionary Executive Council, Bishop Cosset, serves on the Priesthood and Family Executive Council, and at the moment I'm serving on the Temple and Family History Executive Council. And then in addition, we also have a committee where the entire bishopric acts as the chair, and that would be the Welfare and Self-Reliance Executive Committee. So looking at all those different committees and councils, we're involved with them, with sisters also from the general leadership of the church, as well as other general authorities and members of the Twelve. Everything the presiding bishopric accomplishes comes because they are unified, said Bishop Budge. And we feel a great sense of unity, don't we, with the various councils, with the uh, ecclesiastical leaders, with the Twelve and others who we work with. But there's uh, a real wisdom in the organization of the church. There's a great balance of power, if you will, a great uh, way of working together in unity and harmony. We're all focused, even though we kind of talk about the ecclesiastical uh, responsibilities and the temporal responsibilities. They really are one. We have the same purpose, and that's to do the work of salvation and exaltation and prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ. As the church has grown internationally, the roles and responsibilities of the presiding bishopric have taken on a more global feel. So in each of the international areas of the church, but also in the areas in the United States and Canada, there is a director for temporal affairs. His responsibility is uh, to take care of the temporal affairs of a given area under the direction of the area presidency, but they also report to the presiding bishopric. And so we meet with them on a regular basis, and uh, that enables us to have a global responsibility. If you come to our office on a typical day, there's a great chance that we'll be uh, having a a meeting by Zoom or something uh, with one of our directors for temporal affairs from some country in the world, maybe Brazil, maybe Africa, and we'll review temporary affair issues. And we also meet on a regular basis with area presidencies. It's very important for us to be really unified, as we just said, uh, with them. Our role is really, as we said, to prepare the way, to be supportive, to bring all the resources, the tools, the processes, whatever is needed to support the work of salvation and exaltation. We are not an end in ourselves. Our work has No purpose unless it is to support the work of salvation and exaltation. I think it would be easy to describe our role and responsibilities as those of executive directors of big international firms because there are a lot of things that we do in our daily routine that are what most executive directors of international firms do. So we do budgets, we do strategies, we administer information systems, communication systems, we uh, grow uh, real estate assets and those kind of things. But 
It is not any organization. It is the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a very unique organization. And so the Lord said in Doctrine and Covenants that things should be done in his own way. And so every day we try our best to do things in his way, which is to do everything we do in the spirit of prayer. We always start with prayer uh, together. We uh, go to the temple often uh, together to pray together, to seek the will of the Lord, trying always to make sure that we respond to the direction of prophets, seers, and revelators. And so our work is similar to the work that can be found in many secular organizations. At the same time, it's totally different. It's totally different. The three of us have had uh, business experience. We have expertise in the, uh, managing uh, big organizations. But what we found in the church is totally different in the approach. It is all as an ultimate purpose to support the divine work of the Lord. Bishop Budge explained that members of the presiding bishopric were prepared for the service they are offering now by their professional careers. One thing that we talk about is that we've all had responsibilities in the world, and uh, there's a different kind of stress here. It's not as stressful (laughs) as perhaps our other jobs were, because we always know that uh, this is the Lord's work, and he's in charge, and we feel his hand in our work every single day, and we know that, that he's there and that he's supporting us and helping us and so that we're able to do things beyond our own natural abilities, and it's very comforting to know. I think one other thing that is different is we spend a lot of time, as we mentioned, in councils, and we counsel together. And the purpose of a council in the church is different than what I saw in business. In business, you're either trying to persuade somebody to your point of view. Everyone has their own agenda or perspective. You're trying to build consensus, if you will, trying to build agreement. But in the Lord's kingdom, the purpose of a council isn't to build consensus. It's to understand the will of the Lord and to seek revelation. And so we spend a lot of time doing that together on our knees, praying and seeking to know what the Lord's will is. None of us have our own agendas. And so it builds a real strong sense of unity and and shared purpose together. And Bishop Waddell detailed the things for which members of the presiding bishopric have responsibility. The role of the bishopric, we have responsibility for church finances, church investments and properties, responsibility for the building and maintenance of chapels, meeting houses, the design and construction and maintenance of temples, providing all the materials that people will use, hymn books and scriptures and all the physical things that people will touch, as well as things online. And so information communication services, just all those things that would be of the world, temporal, that aren't ecclesiastical, but they assist in accomplishing the purpose of the church, which is to gather Israel and prepare the world for the return of the Savior. And Bishop Kosei explained that nothing is temporal to the Lord. And we know that nothing is temporal to the Lord. Everything is spiritual. The church is a global organization. It is present in dozens of countries all around the world. And each of these countries have members of the church that live in different environments with different cultures, languages. So one big part of our responsibility is to adapt to the local environment of members. Uh, Members should not have to adapt to whatever the church does in Salt Lake City. (laughs) Uh, Our role is to adapt to them, to bring the resources of the church, materials, everything that is needed to to the church. I remember uh, myself, as I grew up in France, as a young man, I took a lot of things for granted, that I had a meeting house, that I have my Book of Mormon in French, I had a liahona that we received by mail every month and those kind of things. I was not aware of 
the organization it takes, the preparation it takes, and all the people working behind the scene to make this happen. And so that makes me now much more grateful. <laughs> and, but of course, the church is what the members uh, do every day. And so wherever they live, it is important that we bring whatever they need to live the gospel of Jesus Christ close to them in their own language and their own culture. As the presiding bishopric looks at meeting the needs of members across the world, Bishop Budge explains that the church is so much more than church buildings. Bishop Cosé often reminds us that we are not the church. Headquarters is not the church. The church is made up of millions of members across the world that live in wards and stakes, and we're here to serve them. And that's, I think, very important for us to keep in mind as we serve, that uh, the church really isn't an organization, if you will. It's millions of faithful members all across the world who are striving to follow Jesus Christ and come, come unto him. I didn't realize when I joined the bishopric is that, you know, it's not three men and you take one plus one plus one and you get, you know, the combined abilities of three people, but that we work in unity together. And, and by working together in unity, we accomplish more than the sum of the, the three parts, if you will. You know, when I first came to the bishopric, I thought we would divide the world into thirds or something and, you know, take responsibilities and divide them up amongst us. But we don't do it that way. We do everything together in unity as a presidency, as, as a bishopric. And I've learned that there's great power in councils. There's great power in the unity that comes as we work together with uh, a common objective and, and a common purpose. And so it's been instructive for me. I, at first I thought it would be a, wouldn't be a very efficient way to work, but uh, my experience has been that uh, together, working together on these issues, that more and more powerful than if we were to separate them and, and, and do it on our own. An important responsibility of the presiding bishopric, said Bishop Cosse, is to help the church serve those in need. Helping others and reaching out to the people in need is really at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be the church of Jesus Christ if we did not strive to follow his example every day. And one of the things that he showed us to do is love our neighbor as ourselves. He taught us about the two great commandments to love God and love our neighbor. These are our brothers and sisters all around the world. And so it is a very integral part of the mission of the church to find those are in need and we read in the scriptures uh, that uh, we need to take care of the widows and the fatherless and the people who are thirsty and hungry and we have received that invitation from the Lord and it is our commitment every day to do it. And a lot of people ask this question, what is the difference between welfare and humanitarian? We do all of it. Typically when we talk about welfare services of the church, it is intended to bless the members of the church, to bless those who are in need within the membership of the church, helping them find uh, resources to meet the basic necessities they have in their life. In this, you will find fast offerings and the, the self-reliant services of the church. You will find the production capacity and distribution of food and commodities to the people in need, the bishops' houses. All of this is welfare. And humanitarian is really what we try to do for the whole world. We don't want to focus our help only on members of the church, but we want to reach out to all our brothers and sisters, regardless of religion and their identity and nationalities. And so 
we have a lot of projects that could be providing food, water, could be providing mobility of services for the people. Disaster relief is one of the big things that we do with all members of the church. It is really reaching out to all our brothers and sisters. All the church's humanitarian welfare efforts, says Bishop Waddell, are to help improve the lives of people. One aspect about welfare, sometimes when people think welfare in society, it's a handout. And I think the church's view of welfare is very different. Um, it's not the handout, it's the hand up that's trying to lift. Now, we recognize there may be situations where there's an immediate need, where someone needs food. Um, they're going to be kicked out. They need help with the rent or something like that. But we really try to help them to lift. And so we have services where we can assist them in finding employment, improving their employment skills, and helping develop a self-reliance plan so that they can step up themselves. And we assist them in doing that. And that's part of the welfare aspect as well. And also, as Bishop Budge was mentioning, about helping both. That line is real thin and not real solid. And just last year alone, with the production of the church and all the food that was produced from the farms and things, there was approximately 90 to 95 million pounds of produce and products that were delivered to food pantries and others. More than half went to those who are not members of the church and the other half roughly to members of the church. And so again, this goes to everyone, to assist everyone. And Bishop Cosset said that as needs increase around the world, so do the church's efforts to help meet those needs. If we look at uh, the whole budget for welfare and humanitarian, this is increasing almost every year. But the humanitarian part, which is directed to all the world, has increased tenfold in the past 10 years. I remember arriving in the bishopric 10 years ago, and it was a small portion, but it's now a very major portion of what we do. And and so the question is, how are we accomplishing this? There are many ways, but uh, I would cite only two. The first one is uh, collaboration with great organizations, global organizations, national organizations, governments. We have developed relationships with a network of organizations, good organizations that we can trust in every part of the world. Uh, So this enables us to reach a higher scale. A second thing I would like to say is This work is not directed from Salt Lake City. We have in every area of the church teams that working under the direction of the area presidencies, and they have developed those local relationships so we can be as close as possible to the field, that we can understand the need. And so we work a lot with the area presidencies to determine objectives, priorities, what are the main needs, the countries that need it most. Bishop Waddell emphasizes that it's not an easy task to meet the needs of a global and growing church. In addition, every area in the world, and so we're talking about areas in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, in Latin America, every area has a five-year humanitarian plan. And they work with us as a bishopric. We work closely with them individually and as a group. And, and that plan will be based on what the needs are in that part of the world. And so it may be education needs. It may be food security needs. It may be water needs. You know, whatever the case might be, it's going to be unique, but each area does that based on what the needs are, and they know better than we do at headquarters. I think that's the point. And so then we work together to meet the needs that are real everywhere around the world. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ also expand the reach of the Church's humanitarian efforts, says Bishop Budge. Another way that we're expanding the reach is just through the growth of the membership of the Church throughout the world. Our members give so many hours of volunteer service and humanitarian service throughout the world. I think last year was 6.8 million hours of donated time 
by the members of the church. Another way that we do it is through Just Serve. It's a program that matches volunteers with organizations that need assistance. And these activities are not just for church organizations, for any type of charitable organization that needs volunteers. And uh, volunteers, not just of our faith, but of all faiths, are able to work together side by side to provide service. Bishop Cosset reminds us that principles guide the work of everything done in the Church of Jesus Christ. The principles that guide welfare work are very important, and humanitarian work as well. The principles are the principles of the gospel. (laughs) This is our foundation. First, we want to reach out to the most vulnerable populations, the people that really are in need anywhere in the world, regardless of their nationalities, their race, or their faith. It is important to be in every place where there is a great need. There are countries where we don't have a lot of members, yet we are there working in collaboration with other humanitarian organizations to help the people. So the second principle maybe I would like to talk about is uh, the principle of self-reliance. Every one of the humanitarian projects that we conduct have a self-reliance goal. It's never about having the people become dependent on the church, on our help. It is about helping them exercise their agency. For us, self-reliance is a principle of salvation. That's a spiritual principle. And so we need to be considerate and respectful of the agency of everyone. And so every time, that's a question we ask. How are we helping people helping themselves? And Bishop Waddell adds that everything done in the church is really about blessing the lives of people. You know, the Savior did what he did to bless lives and to set an example for us. You know, he tells us, do the things you've seen me do. And so as a church, we're doing that as well. The church will do things because we want to bless lives, but also serve as an example for all of us as members of the church to reach out, to bless our neighbor. You know, when the Savior, he spoke about the parable of the lost sheep or the parable of the prodigal son, he wasn't just speaking to a church organization. He was talking to all of us individually to strive to be more like him, to reach out and to bless. And so as we see needs, to act upon those needs and to bless people around us, to get involved and and recognize that we're all brothers and sisters. We're all God's children. And so we need to watch out for each other. Bishop Cosset says, so much of the work the presiding bishopric does is really about providing opportunities for members to live the gospel. Practicing our religion is not an individual thing. It has to be family, but it has to be ward. It has to be community. So it's not on our own that we are doing all of this. We try to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And so I think a big part of what the church does is providing opportunities for its members to live the gospel. And so this is one of the ways that we can involve members in following the example of the Savior. I want to add uh, something I think is very important to all of us and every member of the church because it is about our own life as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the law of the fast. It is really the core of every welfare system of the church. It starts with the law of the fast, which is that every member of the church will fast for 24 hours once a month. And then I will give as much as we can to the bishop who will take care of the people that are needy within the boundaries of the ward. And the surplus is sent to stake and then to the church and will be used in other 
countries and maybe continents, but this is something that is unifying members of the church throughout the world. The bishop has a very important role to play, but especially also the Relief Society president and also the Adams Corn president. They are working uh, closely with the bishop to determine who needs to be helped and then uh, managing the whole process. So that process may end up in the bishop's storehouse, which is good. I believe it's better than any food pantry. Mm. Of course, we love food pantries, but there is a ministering service that is offered to those people through the welfare system of the church that is not found necessarily in other organizations. And sometimes it will end up in a grocery store in some mm-hmm. other countries where we don't have bishop storehouses, but this is a ministering endeavor every time. Bishop Budge also spoke about the importance of living the law of the fast. And what's interesting about fast offerings is that we collect fast offerings in each of the wards. They'll donate to give money to the bishop. And some people think, well, that's all that the bishop has as a resource is is what he collects from the members of his ward. But actually the fast offerings are all pooled together. So it becomes one fast offering fund. And then bishops are allowed to draw on that fund to bless the members of their wards. So bishops, they don't worry about, do I have a deficit or am I collecting enough? They're sufficient for everyone's needs. And Bishop Waddell added, that the Lord instituted the law of the fast to bless the lives of his children. You know, and speaking about the law of the fast, it's wonderful to speak about that. Thank you for bringing that up. In the scriptures, it speaks of the law of the fast, and it has the two aspects. It's the fast, abstaining from food and drink for a period of time, 24 hours, and there are health reasons for that as well, But and then the donation as well. And in Isaiah in particular, it speaks about the law of the fast and the great blessings that are associated to those who live that law. You know, in the Church Handbook of Instructions, it's interesting It says that the Lord instituted the law of the fast to bless his people and to bless those in need. And so the blessings are dual. There are those who participate in the law of the fast, who fast and offer donation to assist, and those who are the recipients of that assistance. So they're the dual blessings with the law of the fast. In recent years, under the direction of President Russell M. Nelson, we've also seen an increase in temple building. We stand in a beautiful location here with this Leighton, Utah temple that is just behind us. It is a magnificent structure. As you can tell, the crews are still working on it, working landscaping, the interior finishings, but it should be ready for next year, sometime next year. It will be a beacon in this community. It will be a great blessing for the members of the church and the community all around. There's a lot of work to do, but it's a wonderful time to be uh, involved in this uh, construction projects, particularly under the direction of President Nelson. And Bishop Waddell, followed by Bishop Budge, both talk about how they're building so many temples at this important time in history. Not every building, not every temple now is custom designed like they were in the past. So we have some beautiful designs that have been authorized by the First Presidency that refer to as core designs, depending on the size of the temple, and that size is based on the number of members around the world and where temples are being built. But because of those core designs, the design to construct a temple has been shortened from about 18 months down about six or seven months. And so it's much faster to get a temple into the construction process, which saves money and obviously time. And so that's one of the great blessings that we have in those designs. The floor plans are the same, but you wouldn't know it when you look at the temples. Each temple is unique in the exterior finishes, the interior finishes. And we construct the temple so that we use local materials. 
materials that are indigenous to the area and uh, architectural themes that are consistent with the culture and the people of the area. So each temple is unique and, and very beautiful. And so part of the process then is that under the direction of the First Presidency, the temple department will make suggestions based on the number of membership or membership statistics and, and growth, and they will take that back and the First Presidency will then make that final determination, yes, that's the right location. And then from a bishopric standpoint, we help find the specific site within that framework, that location. And so then working together, First Presidency will then announce. And once they've determined the location, we found a site, then a temple is announced at General Conference. And, and we see that President Nelson has been very busy. He's uh, given his job security with the temples that have been announced. And we're just very grateful for the direction from the First Presidency and that relationship with the temple department. President Nelson wants temple worship to become a normal part of our worship. Not something that we do once a year or every six months, but something that we do on a much more regular basis. In his general conference address, President Nelson talked about spiritual momentum. And he said one of the things that will help us build spiritual momentum is to get on the covenant path and stay there. And of course, the covenant path goes right through the temple. Our first covenant is baptism, but then we make additional covenants in the temple. So President Nelson wants us to have temples that are more accessible to the saints so that they can strengthen their spiritual foundation, as he said. And he mentioned that as we keep our temple covenants, we are strengthened with God's power. And to me, when I think of temples, it's about power. It's about God's power and receiving that power in our lives every day. Still, Bishop Waddell reminds us that while the church is building so many temples, it's not really about the temples themselves. Because we're involved in the construction of the temples, obviously that's a little bit of our focus on having a beautiful building. But we also recognize that it's not the building that's most significant. It's what takes place inside the temple. And you know, sometimes there are people that ask, even sometimes members of the church, but oftentimes those who are not members of the church will ask, well, why are you putting so much money or building these temples when there are other things in the world that you could do with it? Well, it's not a one or the other. The church does do quite a bit of work, and obviously with humanitarian and welfare work, but they're two separate things. It's not one or the other. The temple for us is so significant because of what takes place in the temple, where we make those covenants and then leave to keep those covenants. We're just grateful to be able to be involved in the construction so we can provide the resource for members of the church for a place to come and to worship. Bishop Cosset also talked about ordinances and covenants. Of course, as a bishopric, we focus a lot on the design of temples, on their physical aspects. But as we said, that's not the most important part. And we have to keep this in mind. Uh, we try to have a temple as beautiful and dignified as possible. But the important part is what happens inside the temple when it is dedicated. The ordinances, the covenants to the people. So we want to create a setting and uh, working on the, under the direction of the First Presidency for that. But the setting is not as important as the ordinance, of course. And Bishop Budge reminds us of President Nelson's counsel that it's hard to build a temple-worthy people. In fact, President Nelson said, we're finding it's more difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's easier to construct temples than it is to build a temple-worthy people. And so that's really the, the main objective is to help build a Zion people, to help build a people who are prepared for the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Bishop Waddell says we go to the temple to become more like the Savior. You know, much of the instruction that takes place in the temple is symbolic through symbolism. And there's something that is not symbolic about the temple specifically, maybe more than one, but one specific above the doorframe of the temple is this house of the Lord. 
and we believe firmly that that is not symbolic, it truly is his house. We go there to draw closer to our Father in heaven and the Savior and to become more like him. In addition to saying the house of the Lord, it says holiness to the Lord. They are truly holy places. According to Bishop Cosset, the construction of every temple really is a miracle. I think there are so many instances that the three of us could say, we can testify it is a miracle. We see miracles happening all the time with finding sites for temples and the way that uh, we obtain uh, permission to build, the way uh, it has been built. And I had uh, many experiences in my life when I stood in front of the temple and knowing the whole story of how the temple was built, I had a prayer of gratitude in my heart saying, the Lord made it happen. And nobody really can say around us, you know, we meet with workers that build a temple, the architects and so forth. But none of us can say we did it because we all know the Lord did it. It fills us with a lot of humility. One of my favorite parts of the Inside Church Headquarters series on the presiding bishopric was not only coming to understand the role and responsibilities of the presiding bishopric, or even coming to understand the temporal affairs of the church, but it was having the opportunity to hear the presiding bishopric share their testimonies of this work and of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to end this podcast today with each of them sharing their testimonies about what they know now after serving in the presiding bishopric. We start with Bishop Budge, then go to Bishop Waddell, and conclude this podcast with the words and testimony of Bishop Gerald Cosset. Well, thank you for this opportunity to share my testimony and what I've learned since joining the bishopric. I'm the newest member of the bishopric, but it's been such a uh, humbling experience and a faith-building experience for me to participate in the councils of the church and to see firsthand that uh, prophets, seers, and revelators are humble, good men who have no other purpose than to serve the Lord. They're great examples. I think President Nelson is one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met. When you're in his presence, you feel of his love and you feel of his goodness, and it just reassures me that the finances of the church are uh, administered through revelation, through prophet seers and revelators, and that uh, the members, I think the members can uh, be well assured that their tithes and offerings are being administered with the greatest care. I have a testimony that the church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that he stands at the head of this church, and that he is involved in the daily affairs of the administration of his kingdom here on the earth. I've been serving in the bishopric now for seven years, and like most people, I had no idea the role, the extent of what the presiding bishopric did. I knew there was a presiding bishopric, but didn't have much of an understanding of what they did. And I'm still learning. It's still a process in many ways. But one of the things I've learned that has really stood out to me is that although we are responsible for the temporal affairs of the church in preparing the way that uh, the scripture comes back to all things are spiritual, the Lord never has he given a temporal commandment, but all things are spiritual. And I have seen that for us to be able to accomplish and we're doing our best. We're human and doing our best, and we have our flaws, and we have our talents and abilities as well. But for us to do what the Lord wants us to do, we have to rely on Him. And so prayer and seeking inspiration and that unity that comes from that and going to the temple and really seeking out that will of the Lord 
is essential for us to be able to do what the Lord would have us do in caring for those in need around the world and and providing the resources that the Lord needs, that the leaders of the church need to be able to accomplish the mission of the church, which is to prepare the world for the return of the Savior. It also has been remarkable to see the influence of the First Presidency of the Twelve and see the prophetic direction on the use of these resources and how humbling it is to be able to use them and see the hand of the Lord as we participate in this work. It's been a remarkable thing to see and experience. I feel so blessed to be associating with these two men. They are really men of God. They have no personal agenda. They only want to serve the Lord and their fellow men and women. And we feel the, the unity of our bishopric every, every day. I thank the Lord for it's such a, a great privilege to be serving this capacity and to be able to, to associate with prophets, seers, and revelators, but also with every person on earth. Possibly we travel the world, and uh, I'm always uh, humbled by uh, the faithful members we meet in every country, on every continent. The church is all about people. It's not about the organization itself could be described as a, a big organization, a mighty organization, but it's a support system. Uh, the gospel is really in the life of the people. It is about someone being baptized. Uh, it's about a young man receiving the priesthood or a young woman going to the temple for the first time and being baptized with uh, one of her ancestors. It's about families uh, gathering together, congregations gathering together, and partaking of the the sacrament every Sunday. This is simple. The church, the gospel is a simple thing. And so sometimes we have a complex organization to support it because the world is complex, but at the end of the day, it is about a simple, simple things of life. The reason why we are here and where we are going and how we can return to our Heavenly Father and receive all the blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I'm grateful for the simplicity of the gospel. I testify it is true that the Lord has restored his church upon the earth, that uh, it is our privilege and great honor to be members of this church and to work in our capacities, whatever our calling responsibility are. I'm grateful for God, for Jesus Christ. He is our Savior and Redeemer. God loves us. And I say this, we say this collectively, mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you have learned something today about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed the messages we shared today, please make sure you share the podcast with others. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com.